Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Welcome back, podcast listener, and I suppose you ought to also welcome me back as a podcast host. I looked in my minutes or my notes, and it's been since April that I have recorded a podcast episode, and I have done an incredible amount of ministry in the intervening months. It has been very busy uh, for me in church life, partially due to the fact that I was the president of our denomination, and we hosted our church, that is, hosted the national conference at our local building. So not only was I organizing the conference, but was involved in helping to organize um, all the arrangements at the church here. So it's just been it's just been very busy. And then there's the normal ministry things that go along with being busy. But that is that's part of the job. And I love that aspect of the job. I love uh, being around people and being able to help people. And um, I don't ever want to be too busy to help my local sheep. And because of that, sometimes things like the podcast get put on the back burner because I'm spending time with my sheep and counseling them or providing comfort for them or assisting them in some other way. And you know what? Um, You have to make choices in what you're going to do. And sometimes the podcast goes to the back burner. All that to say, I am glad to be back. I enjoy podcasting. I miss podcasting. And I hope that today's episode will be something of great benefit to you. I know that maybe today this may or may not be relevant to you in your life, but at some point in your life, what I'm going to share with you today will be very relevant and you will want to remember these things. Today's episode is going to be dedicated to a dear family in our church who recently experienced an untimely tragic death in their family. And, you know, this is one of the things that we deal with in the ministry is death and dying. But it's it's difficult when somebody dies who is very young, which this person who died was very young. It's very difficult. It's It's challenging when somebody is older and they've lived a long life and they die. That's challenging. But when it's an unexpected death of somebody who's young and seems to have a lot of life in front of them, it makes people ask the question, why? Why would God let that happen? Or why did this happen in this way? Why is this happening at this time? And for those of us who are friends of the one who has lost a loved one, for those of us who are part of the same church family, we need to understand how we can respond to tragedy. And I think there's a two sides to this particular coin, right? Responding to tragedy. You could be the person who the tragedy is happening to. So like in this situation, you would be the person who lost a loved one. Or the other side of the coin is you are the friend or you're the husband or the wife or a distant family member of the person who has lost a loved one or is experiencing some other type of tragedy. 
I don't want you to think that that death is the only tragedy because there are other tragedies that occur in life. So if you are experiencing the tragedy, how do you respond? And if you're the friend or the or family member of somebody who's experiencing tragedy, how do you respond? How do you help them? One of the great benefits of being in a local church is that the church body often comes together during these times of tragedy and they support one another and they provide comfort to one another and they lift one another up and the burden of care is spread out amongst many people. And that is good because it helps one person not get overburdened by doing all the care and it helps the person who's maybe on the receiving end of the tragedy, the one who is experiencing the tragedy, it helps them to know that they are loved by more than just one or two people. And I know that our church, I'm very proud of them. Uh, I would boast about them in how they come together around those who have experienced tragedy. I've watched it over and over and over again in my time here. And they really do act like a family and come together like a family. And they, they do what they can to support and love and care for the one who is experiencing tragedy. But let's talk a little bit about this in more detail. There, like I said, are two sides of the coin. You could be the person who is experiencing the tragedy, or you could be the person who is giving assistance and help to the one experiencing the tragedy. And let's begin by just talking about you as the person who is experiencing the tragedy. So you're the one who a tragic event has happened to. Now, we're going to further break and divide this category into two sections. There is the unbeliever who experiences tragedy, and there is the believer who experiences tragedy. What about the unbeliever? How can tragedy be beneficial to them? How can tragedy be used in their life? Well, for the unbeliever, experiencing tragedy is often an event or a series of events that the Lord God uses to bring that individual to Christ. You see, the problem with the unbeliever is that they are stubborn. They are rebellious. They have rejected God. And in their pride, they have set up a system of worship that does not include the great creator God of the universe. And tragedies, God will use tragedies to break down a person's pride and a person's resistance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And tragedies often reveal our weaknesses. They often reveal our fears. They reveal other things about us that maybe we don't want to bring to surface or bring to light. And so God uses tragedy in the life of unbelievers to bring them to Christ. And so when you're dealing or encouraging uh, somebody who is an unbeliever, you should be looking to explain the gospel to them. Not that the gospel is like a silver bullet or a potion that will all of a sudden solve all their problems. But what the gospel does is the gospel provides hope because it provides hope beyond this life. It provides answers for what will happen in the life to come. Now, for the believer, our tragedies, tragedies that we experience, are events in our life that ought to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. 
tragedies transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so if you're a believer and you are experiencing or you have experienced a great tragedy in your life, you need to allow that tragedy to be used for your sanctification. What is sanctification? It is the putting off of sinful habits and the putting on of godly, Christ-like habits. So you're putting off sin and you're putting on godly habits or Christ-like habits. Sanctification is a process that is progressive. That means you improve in it slowly throughout the entire course of your life. You don't arrive at this point where you're like totally sanctified until either you die or Christ will come and take you in the rapture and translate you to heaven. Now, there is a second way that tragedies can be used in the life of a believer, and that is as a witnessing tool. So the believer, first of all, when you are experiencing a tragedy, you need to realize that this is for your sanctification. But then secondly, you need to realize that a tragedy can be useful in your witness to other people. Because as you go through this tragedy, people are watching you. They are going to see how you respond. Are you responding with grace? Do you have an attitude of joy? Do you have an attitude of trust? What are the ways that you are handling this tragedy? And there are sinful ways that you can handle a tragedy by outbursts of anger or getting angry at God or doing other things like that. And there are godly, Christ-honoring ways that you can respond to tragedy. All of that will lead to the power of your witness that will affect the quality of your witness as other people watch you go through tragedy. So if you're a believer, you need to understand that tragedy is for your sanctification, but it also can be a great tool for witness. Now, friends, I just want to share with you, if you are the one who is going through the tragedy, how do you adjust your focus? How do you alter and change your focus so that you're focusing on the right things at the right time? Well, first of all, I think as believers, we need to focus on God's character and God's attributes. Psalm 103 is a great psalm that describes the believer's dependence upon God. And it describes the believer's dependence upon God not based on the believer's faithfulness or the believer's desire, but based upon God and his character and his attributes. You see, we don't serve a small God. We serve a big God. We serve an incredible God, a God who is mighty and powerful and capable of all kinds of things, and a God who is sovereign over all the events of the universe. And this tragedy that you were experiencing may be unexpected to you, but God knew about it. And God is ready to comfort you through the tragedy. God is ready to provide assistance to you through the tragedy. But in order to do so, you have to have the right perspective on who God is. Psalm 103 encourages the individual. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Well, what are the benefits that come with knowing God? Verse 3, he pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life out of the pit. Verse 4, he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies your years with good things. Wow, these are all the things that God does for us on our behalf because he loves us. And what kind of a God is this? This is a God who, verse 6 says, performs righteous deeds, who has just judgment. A God who is compassionate and gracious, verse 8. A God who is slow to anger and generous or abounding in loving kindness. God is a God who has not dealt with us according to our sins. We deserve immediate judgment for our sins. And yet God has been patient and slow to bring about his wrath. God has not rewarded us or compensated us according to our iniquities. Rather, rather in his great mercy, he has been willing to give us an opportunity to repent. And if we repent, he has forgiven us of our sins and he has taken the guilt of our sins and he has placed it as far away from us as the East is from the West. When you're going through tragedy, focusing on God's character is important because it reminds you of who the creator and sustainer of all things is. It helps to keep your mind centered and your heart grounded on real truth and on the one being who can care for you in the midst of this difficult situation. After spending time focusing on God's character and reminding yourself about him. The next thing that I think you should work on and focus on when you are experiencing tragedy is your personal attitude. Do you have an attitude of joy and thanksgiving as you are experiencing this trial? Or is your attitude one of anger, bitterness, rage? What is your attitude like? As a believer, your attitude should be one of joy. James, in James chapter 1, writes this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you endure or when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, here is why we should rejoice in our trials, because our trials bring about sanctification, and the sanctification, that process of sanctification, makes us mature and complete. It gives us a great perspective on life. Tragedies help us to understand what is really important versus what's not important. When, for example, you lose a loved one, you stop taking people for granted, or you stop taking your days for granted. You stop taking for granted the fact that you're going to wake up tomorrow. That's a measure and a mark of maturity. That's a measure and a mark of personal growth. When you can look at it today, or you can look at the relationships that you have with people in your life and you say, I am going to enjoy and appreciate this because it is a gift to me from God. 
Your personal attitude should be one of joy because God has used tragedy to reveal these things to you. And it should be one of thanksgiving because do we really deserve anything that God has given to us? Of course we don't. As we reminded ourselves in Psalm 103, God has been gracious not to deal with us according to the weight and the number of our iniquities. Therefore, even in the midst of trials, we should thank God because he saw fit to bring this about in our lives so that we might grow and become conformed to the image of Christ. Finally, as a believer, we can focus on this, that our satisfaction is in God alone, not in any created thing. Now, this is what Asaph learned in Psalm 73. Psalm 73. If you recall this psalm, Psalm 73 is when Asaph, who was a servant of the Lord, was looking around at the prosperity of the wicked and the riches of the wicked, and he became discouraged. And he became angry even that the wicked were prospering and the righteous who were trying to obey God were not prospering. And he thought, this can't be right. This doesn't seem good for the wicked to be doing well and the righteous to not be doing well. And as he is working through this struggle, he comes to his senses and he begins to meditate on God's character and God's purpose. And he comes to this realization, though the wicked may prosper in this life, though that it looks like they're doing well, there are two things against them. Number one, they're probably not content with all their riches and all their blessings. And number two, they will face eternal judgment and eternal condemnation. And so while they may have things well in this life, in the life to come, things might not be so good for them. And it's not that he is taking some type of guilty pleasure in it, he is just reminding himself that God does not allow the wicked to go unpunished. And I think that's a hard concept for us today to wrap our minds around, that God does not allow the wicked to go unpunished. We are frustrated by the prosperity of the wicked, and then we have to remind ourselves like Ahab or like Ahaz that they, they will not go unpunished. Asaph, I'm sorry, I just said the wrong name, I said Ahaz instead of Asaph. Asaph further comforts himself with these words found in verses 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and he is my portion forever. The third thing that you should focus on as a believer when you go through a tragedy is that your satisfaction is in God alone, not in any other created thing. Look at that. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What a great and overwhelming truth that is. That even though I am weak and I am frail, God will lift me up. God will sustain me. God will help me endure. I think this is good to be reminded of whether you're going through tragedy or not. 
because so often, even as Christians, we look to temporal, earthly, created things to provide satisfaction. And we forget that our greatest joy and our greatest satisfaction comes from knowing Jesus Christ and from submitting ourselves to him and from living our lives in accordance with his word and his truth. Is that true for you? Is your greatest satisfaction in God alone? I hope that you can answer yes to that. But if not, I would challenge you to really consider these truths found in Psalm 73. I hope that you find this helpful if you're the one who's going through tragedy. But now I want to speak for just a few moments to the person who is comforting a friend or a loved one who is going through tragedy. There are a few points that I think are important to consider as you look to provide comfort and help and assistance. First of all, when you go to provide comfort, be willing to suffer with your friend in silence. Many times your presence is enough. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to have profound words of wisdom. Sitting with your friend in silence is a great way for them to know that you love them and for you to show that you care and you are devoted to them. But you don't always have to say something. I think Job's friends who came to visit him got it right. If you look at Job chapter 2, after all the tragedies happened to Job, the text says that his friends came to visit him and they sat with him for seven days in silence. Now, in Job's case, it would have been fantastic if they would have just kept their mouth shut and just continued sitting in silence. Obviously, that didn't happen, but there was a purpose in that not happening. I thought, you know, you started out the right way. You just are present for the person. You are willing to be there with them. If they want to speak and say something to you, then they have that freedom to do that. But don't feel like you have to have all of the answers. And that really takes me to the second thing that you can do. When you're counseling or encouraging or helping somebody who is going through a tragedy, don't feel pressure to have an answer to every statement. I think sometimes we, we don't offer ourselves up because we say, I don't know what to say. If they ask this question, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer that. Well, you know what you can say? If they ask a difficult question or a profound question and you don't know the answer, you could say, you know, that is a great question. I, I think that I would be willing to look into that for you and get back with you. Or you could say, maybe we should go talk to our pastor. Maybe that would be a avenue or an opportunity for us to have this particular question answered. When it comes to answering questions, don't feel like you have to have an answer for everything. Also, sometimes it's good to have some scriptures that you can just go to and read as like, here's my go-to scripture. I'm just going to read this scripture because it communicates a truth about God or a truth about the situation that is generally applicable. I, I like Psalm 46. 
verses 1 through 3. And again, as I already mentioned this podcast, Psalm 103, really the entire psalm, helps people to get their focus off of maybe themselves or the situation and place it upon God where it ought to be. If you are comforting somebody, you should be available to them. And, and I say this hesitantly because you should be available in a limited and an unlimited basis. What do I mean by that? Well, here's what, here's what I mean. In an unlimited sense, you are going to be there for your friend or your loved one. You are going to sit with them, talk with them, allow them perhaps to call you at night, and you're going to be available in an unlimited sense for a very short period of time after the incident. So let's say a week to two weeks. And, you know, that that could be personally draining to you. But what you are doing during that short week to two week period is allowing that person to utilize you as a resource, as a friend, as somebody who they can lean on uh, for advice or for comfort. And you have to communicate that this is a short-term thing. You know, maybe you're not going to say that the day that it happens, but in your mind, you need to know that it is a short-term basis. So you are going to be available on an unlimited capacity on a very short-term basis. But then in the long term, you are going to be available in a more limited capacity. So this would be, I'm not going to, I'm going to ask you not to call me at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to allow you to interrupt family activities or family time. If you need to talk, if you need comfort, let's schedule a time to talk. Let's make sure that we can do this in a way that is beneficial to you and also beneficial to me because I can't, uh, for the remaining days of my life, just drop everything and deal with your needs. This has two effects. Number one, it helps to establish boundaries. Number two, it helps to let the person who's going through the tragedy know that somebody cares for them, but that they also have a responsibility as well. So, you know, if, if you're going through the tragedy and you just, every time you become flustered, you call somebody, that doesn't help you or train you to go back to the scriptures and get your own counsel from the word of God. Thirdly, when you are available in a limited sense, it allows you to plan what you want to say to that person. You can plan, uh, here's the scriptures I've already been through, and here's some scriptures that I need to go through. Or maybe this time, instead of going over scriptures again or doing a Bible study, maybe what we need to do is spend some time listening and then praying about the situation. So there are some ways that you can be available in an unlimited capacity for a short period of time, but in a long-term capacity at limited periods of time and for limited uh, points along that journey. Finally, if you are the one who is comforting someone going through a tragedy, you need to be able to remind them of God's character, God's love, and God's sustaining grace. These are important things. You know, just encouraging them, hey, you know, Jesus said that he would never leave you or forsake you. So in the middle of the night, when you feel like you're all alone, when nobody's there, when nobody can help you, guess what? Jesus is there. 
He has not forsaken you. When you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and you can't turn your mind off and you're tossing and turning in your bed, guess what? Jesus is there. And Jesus wants to provide comfort for you. You just need to ask him. You need to spend the time in prayer asking him. These are some ways that you as a friend can comfort a loved one who is going through a difficult tragedy. Because of the nature of this human condition, because we are living in a world under the curse of sin and groaning under the weight of sin, we should expect that we will go through tragedies. And so it could be today, it could be last week, it could be a month from now. We should expect that we will go through tragedies. And with the advice that I've presented to you here today, and you can go and find more advice about that in other sources, you should be reasonably well-equipped to respond to tragedy in a way that brings glory and honor to God and provides you with peace in your heart and strengthens your faith so that you become more like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, may you be blessed and may you have success in dealing with the tragedies of life as you seek to apply the Word of God to the situation.